his crazy love for us. It seems crazy at times <laughs> yeah. because our human decision that leads to God saying, what are you doing? I told you. you love me? <laughs> and that's what we've been talking about today, this this history of, of the day that we're talking about 3,500 years ago of sending spies after God already said, hey, you can have this land. It is yours. I'm going to take care of you. And they said, oh, we want to check it out. <laughs> so we've been talking about that. And then we just talked about the most famous giant going down and and, the, and David that slew him. And, you know, um, Caleb, though, was a giant slayer. He was. As well. And so it's fitting that we close talking about Caleb. Well, you know, if you stand there on the, the edge of everything and they're scared, they don't trust the name of Jehovah, they don't trust God, they want to trust each other, they, they all die in the desert except for Caleb and Joshua who lead them into, and Joshua, of course, the originator of that name that God gives him the name that will be the name of Jesus in, in uh, 1,500 years. And Caleb, who is the giant killer. So, I mean, this tandem is pretty important. It's the remnant, too. I mean, it's it's amazing. I love it. But I titled this, Always Take a Dog. Now, I could put Pepper Jack in there if you'd like. <laughs> but Always Take a Dog. And why do I say that? Well, we're on the edge of the promised land. We go in a little bit down in the south land, below Jerusalem. You come to Hebron. And... Just beyond that is the Valley of Elah, where we were with David and Goliath. It's all the same region. So we're near Hebron. So we're going in 3,000 years ago with David and Goliath. But we're going to go 500 years back uh, to this time that we started talking about earlier today. So when David was killing Goliath, Goliath though, the, obviously the name Yehovah wasn't the only name on his mind or the mind of Goliath. You know, that massive man-beast of a giant <laughs> taunted him carrying his shepherd's staff, he looked at this little boy, shepherd, and he said, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? He was very offended. But, now, if it had been a modern movie, I'm sure David would have quipped very cleverly, no, today I'm the dog. And most people, because we read it in English, would go, I have no idea what you're talking about. So perhaps I should explain, and I will. The word is a bit lost in translation in English, but the very ground the giant and David stood upon was conquered by another warrior from David's tribe. And you know who that was? It was Caleb, whose name meant dog. Mm. Let's head back in time, 500 years to where we started today. The greatest giant killer in the history of Judah. His father named him Dog. Mm. Did he not like him? Technically, it means wild or mad dog. That's Caleb, which in Hebrew is with a K or a C, Caleb. That's right. He was one of the 12 spies. The word dog in Aramaic, which Goliath would have spoken, is kalba, which has the exact same meaning. So same word, pretty much the same word. The second syllable of the Hebrew word means heart, and the K-E, the K, means like. So Caleb's name, apart from dog, it means like the heart. And I find it ironic that Caleb had a faithful heart like a dog, a friend you can count on. And David's name means friend or beloved. So there's an interesting connection even across those 500 years. Now, Caleb wasn't a likely hero. He was a fifth-generation slave born in Egypt at a time when courage was so rare. It's not until we arrive at the border of the Promised Land and the tribe of Judah needs a courageous prince to represent them as one of the 12 spies that we finally meet this 40-year-old man named Caleb. He and Joshua were truly not like the other 10 men who were chosen by their tribes. It's hard to strap on their sandals and imagine the seven-week 
1,000-mile journey they navigated through hostile territory filled with these fierce tribes of Canaanite giants known for their evil and their ferocity. The various tribes of giants controlled all the land in the Deep South along the 500-mile pathway that wound through the, all the way up to the Far North Mountains. The spies were 12 small foreigners. Try not to be noticed. They're walking, <laughs> maybe hiding behind trees, maybe cooking if they dare, sleeping day after day, night after night, maybe, as they travel the depth and breadth of this strange foreign land for 40 days. Every mile could have been their last. I'm guessing sleep was probably rare, if at all. At least 10 of the spies were living in absolute terror, longing for the days they could escape this nightmare journey. <laughs> Who signed me up? When they arrived back to safety, they breathed this deep sigh of relief that they were even still alive. And I can promise you, their one job was to discover strategic insights, prepare the land's conquest, and report back. But they had no intention of going back. They're going, nothing. No part of that. Not with an army, not with God. Nope, not going. So the report of the ten, we are not able to go up against the people, for they're stronger than we. The land which we've gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. Mm. Joshua and Caleb insisted that Jehovah was with them, but all of the people picked up stones to stone them. God put a stop to the stone and tells ten cowards, die by a plague. And he killed them all right there. God condemned everyone, 20 years old and above, to wander the desert 40 years until they all die. Now, I can't help but wonder how this noble-hearted Caleb, Joshua, and Moses felt at the news of spending the next 40 years in the desert with these stupid people. After they just saw the big fruit and everything else. I like, mean, come on. <laughs> that they were promised. I mean, these... Talking about these three did perfectly. They did perfectly. They got to go back 40 years. Mm. What was it like to obey God perfectly, to be full of faith and arrive at the moment you're supposed to receive your reward, only to be told, nope, not yet. Come back later. Instead of inheriting the promise of God, you've got to spend the next 40 years wandering in the desert. But the good news is you get to be with all these people. A bunch of complainers, again. Waiting for the last <laughs> of the families and the faithless to die mm. so you can bury the very ones who trampled your dream. Yeah. Not only would they lose 40 of the prime years of their life, but the alternate route and strain would cost Moses his right to even enter the new land. What made Caleb so different from the other spies? They all were probably rejoicing that God was giving them the land before they were going in to inherit, but as they drew close to Hebron, they knew the meaning of the word terror. <laughs> mm -hmm. Ten of the spies looked for a place to hide, probably, but I think Caleb was a little bit distracted. He was looking at a place he'd only heard about in stories. See, when Abraham came to the area over 400 years before, it was at Hebron that the Lord appeared to him. That's where God spoke to man. Mm. That was where it happened. For the first time, and probably... And well, well, he promised his descendants, like Caleb, the land of Canaan. So Abraham made his home there, later buried his wife Sarah there in the a cave in that mountain in Hebron. Both Isaac and Jacob lived in Hebron. When Isaac and Rebekah died, they're buried in the cave. So they're all there. Joseph traveled all the way to Egypt. Actually, Joseph traveled all the way from Egypt to bury his father Jacob there. While Joseph was near death, remember he asked his brothers, carry my bones from Egypt to Hebron when God delivers us. He knew they were going to be delivered one day. And Caleb probably grieved the 40-year delay in accomplishing that. Mm. See, the thing is, Caleb knew immediately that the mountain graveyard was his desired inheritance. That's all he wanted. I want that mountain with that cave. Even after waiting 40 years, Caleb's focus in pursuit of God's promises filled his heart when talking to Joshua. He says this, So Moses swore on this day, saying, Surely the land where your foot is trodden shall be your inheritance and your children's forever, because you've wholly followed the Lord my God. 
Just as my strength was in, so now is my strength for war. He's an 85-year-old guy. What in the world? Both for going out and for coming in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain of which the Lord spoke on that day. You understand he's asking for a mountain covered in giants. And Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb as an inheritance. Now, when Caleb and Joshua led the army to Hebron, they faced five Amorite kings and countless giants. Joshua 10 tells the story, and you've heard a few minutes ago. So Jehovah routed them before Israel, killed them with a great slaughter at Gibeon. Jehovah cast down large hailstones from heaven on them. There are more who died from the hailstones than the children of Israel killed with the sword. The faithfulness of the faithlessness of the ten spies robbed them of ever seeing the mighty miracles that God had planned to destroy the giants that intimidated those former slaves. As for the 85-year-old spy, Caleb drove out the three sons of Anak from there. And there wouldn't be another giant killer like that until David. So how can we be more like Caleb and Joshua and less like the other spies? Well, we all face our giants. They're battles we didn't plan but can't escape. Discouragement is discourage, right? If you were listening earlier, the lack of courage. We're not aware that when we feel down that trying to find things to help us feel better won't ever work because the devil has attacked our courage to stop us from moving forward. To walk as Caleb walked, we got to fix our eyes on destiny and dig the graves of our sorrows as practice for the day of the promises become reality. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And A.W. Tozier expanded on that. Faith is seeing the invisible, but not the non-existent. Mm. Psalm 84 says, Blessed is the man whose strength is in you, whose heart is set on pilgrimage. See, we're never alone walking with God. The victory and the battles are not in our hands. Fear and doubt are the encouragement to refuse to trust God. If we choose fear, we lose. So I challenge us to set our hearts and our minds on digging graves as we face our giants till the promises of God become our inheritance. He did bury a lot of his relatives, but he also practiced digging graves. I'll be back in 40 days to teach on the ninth of Av when everything fell apart. Saddest day of the year for Israel, apart from today. And it's part of a three-week period of mourning for all the fallout that came from rejecting Yehovah and refusing to trust and obey his word. Facing the Giants, the I Spy edition. You can be looking for that online at victory.radio on the blog section, the podcast.